Holly G with the Golf Insiders. We're back. Yes, we're back for our 16th season and uh, the 2024 golf season has kicked off with a lot of great stories and a lot of breaking news. And of course, I wanted to bring in our top golf insiders to break it all down for us as we start off the new year and the new golf season. Bob Herrig from SI.com. Hello, Bob. Hello, how are you doing? Well, let's see. We've had a bunch of tournaments the past month. We started out uh, in Hawaii with the Century, the first signature event that they're now being called used to be designated events. I was looking at the schedule, Bob, and boy, that $20 million purse really jumped out. It's about $8.5 million for a standard event now. It's really significant. It is. I mean, this is what they wanted to try to take care of the stars. And, uh, you know, it's, it's controversial because there's a lot of, um, you know, there's a there's, there's a lot of feeling that the title sponsors can't afford it, uh, that they, they, don't, they don't think that they're getting their value. And so we've, we've kind of shifted now where, you know, there was this sense that the players weren't maybe getting compensated on course as much as they should. Well, now it's maybe too much. Because if you can't sustain it, then what's the point? You know, and, and you've also sort of created this haves and have-nots. While guys can play their way into signature events, you know they're they're limited. They they don't have big fields, and 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 if you're if you're not playing in those, you're you're playing for less than half, and you're also playing for less FedEx points. Right. So um, you know seven hundred are the winner of a of a signature event. Only five hundred, like this week in Phoenix, is five hundred. Last week and next week will be seven hundred, and so you know, I, I guess you can argue the guy who wins in Phoenix isn't facing as tough of a field. But, you know, if he wins and then whoever wins next week, and the, the guy, well, the guy who wins this week would get in next week. But the bottom line is, is you're, you're, you're fighting an uphill battle to qualify for the playoffs uh, when you're being, you know, if you're not in a lot of these signature events. So these are all things that are going to be cropping up throughout the year and, and being discussed quite a bit. There are eight signature events, is that correct? That's right, yeah. We've had two so far, and next week will be three. There's coming fairly front-loaded here, uh, because then you have the Arnold Palmer Invitational in March, which is also a signature event. Yep, and then and then um, RBC the week after the Masters, so that'll be the fifth. And then you'll have the sixth at Wells Fargo, the seventh at the Memorial, and the eighth at uh, Travelers, which is the week after the U.S. Open. So the, the, the signature events are done in June, you know, um, and, and, and that was done to, to allow, I think, guys to, you know, obviously you've got the Open coming up, but to assess. Like, if you haven't made the playoffs or, or are teetering after the um, – uh, travelers in late June, well, now you've kind of got like six weeks to, to figure it out, to qualify for the playoffs. And all the events except for the for the major will be the same. 
So, um, you know, in that regard, that's smart. That that helps those tournaments, uh, you know, sure. uh, like uh, Rocket Mortgage and even John Deere and 3M. You know, those tournaments, you know, guys might need to play them. You know, last year, remember, Justin Thomas did not make the playoffs. He played a bunch in those events. Right. Still didn't make it. Yep. Came up one spot short. So he didn't, you know, he finished 71st. So he wasn't in the playoffs, obviously not in the signature events. Although he's now, he played at Pebble top 30 in the OWGR can get in signature events if they're not in otherwise. So you did not finish in the top 50. You have to play your way in through FedEx points at, at these various tournaments. And uh, uh, and while there's spots for that, there's basically 15 spots available. Um, you know, uh, you got to go earn them. Well, we've, we've had a couple of surprise winners already uh, out in uh, Palm Desert, the American Express Tournament. Nick Dunlap, the first amateur to win since... Phil Nicholson in 1991, Bob. He's a 20-year-old sophomore from the University of Alabama. What do you make about Nick? Well, I mean, it was a pretty amazing accomplishment. Um, you know, it had happened for so long. And, uh, you know, you, you're you're a college kid and you beat a bunch of pros. I mean, it's amazing. Crazy. Um, and, Crazy uh, great. And then... You know, he turned he turned pro. Uh, he, he thought about it for a little while, and then he decided to turn pro after about a week. And he he played at Pebble Beach last week, and he and and you know he, he didn't get to keep the 1.5 million that he that he should have won if he if he were a pro. And then and then playing as a as as, as a pro for the first time, he finished near the bottom. I think he made about fifty thousand. He's in all the signature events. I think that's why he turned pro. He's exempt for the next two years after this year. So, um, you know, he did himself a world of good there by, by winning that tournament. And, um, you know, I, I, I wonder if it's too much too soon for somebody 20 years old. You know, you're not, you know it's different than college, obviously, especially college golf. Absolutely. And, um, he's, he's been regarded as a very, very good player, so I don't think there's any issues there. But, you know, in terms of winning, did he catch lightning in a bottle? I mean, it'll be interesting to see how he does, like, you know, next week at Riviera and, and playing in some of these bigger tournaments with with all these top guys, you know, and um, you know, you don't you, you don't want to get frustrated. The good news is he's got a cushion. He doesn't have to press, you know. He's 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 good for next year, no matter what happens. Right. Yeah, that would have I would have made that decision in a New York minute, Bob. <laughs> um, he, he took a week, so uh, good good for him. Uh, we had. The opposite story the following week. The Frenchman, Matthew Pavone, who won the Farmers Insurance Open. Matthew has actually been a pro since 2013. You know, he's been out there fighting the fight, grinding away, and wins his first tournament at 31. Yeah, well, what's interesting about that is, uh, um, you know, he, he came to the tour from, from the DP World Tour which is another controversial aspect. You know, they gave their top 10 players on their order of merit, not otherwise on the PGA Tour. So, like, you throw out Rory, you, you, you know, you throw out Rom. Right. Um, uh, you, you know, and so you go down the list. And you throw out, you know, Adrian Moranc, who went to live, was another one who qualified for the tour that way. Uh, Pavan actually birdied his last four holes in Dubai. 
their last event to eke into the into that last spot. And I don't think he'd ever played a PGA Tour event before, he's, and then he wins his third one. Yeah, incredible. So, you know, like, the year has kind of started off with, with um, you know, I, except for Wyndham Clark, obviously, is a great win at Pebble, but it's, it's kind of started off with the non-marquee guys winning. Uh, Chris Kirk at the Century, and then, um, you know, Grayson Murray out of nowhere won the Sony. We have an amateur win the Amex. Uh, Pavan wins at the, at, at, uh, Torrey. And now Wyndham Clark wins a weather shortened event after shooting 60. But, you know, five events and, 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 and I don't think too many people would have picked the first four. So, um, you know, it's, uh, uh, it's, it, it's an interesting start to the year. And I mean, it, it does, it does sort of lend credence to the idea that it's not always the stars, you know, and and that's that's the other part of the game that's kind of interesting is you know it's like there's so much focus on the stars and we got to get the stars together, we got to get these guys together more often, and and here we've had a bunch of tournaments where you know and look I would even sort of argue I'm not sure that Wyndham Clark is a big star. He's he's he won the U.S. Open, but he had that was only his second win and he hadn't won since. He'd actually struggled a little bit. I'm not sure everybody would recognize who he is. Uh, so, you know, you've kind of had this, this interesting start to the year. Last year, you know, uh, Rom won two of the first four. Right out of the gate, Max yeah. Hol- yeah, Max Homer won. Um, uh, you know, so so uh, Justin Rose won at Pebble. You had big names that won early last year. It's not really the case so far. So... The big news last week, Strategic Sports Group, a very, very large, successful sports investment group, putting $3 billion into the PGA Tour, forming a new company called PGA Tour Enterprises. Break this down for my listeners. Certainly now gives uh, the tour leverage in the whole live piff situation, but where where do we stand with it all as of today? To be honest with you, I, I think there's still more questions than there are answers. You know, there really are. I mean, I'm glad I'm not the only one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what does it mean? I mean, it sounds like a bunch of players are going to make a lot of money, but but what does it mean in terms of like what what will the product be? The, the, the money is not going to the PGA Tour as we know it. Like, you know, the Arnold Palmer Invitational, you know, the, the, uh, you know, the, the new Honda, the Cognizant Classic, the Valspar, those tournaments are still operating as 501c3s. They're not seeing any of that money. It's all going into this new, this new pot, PGA Tour Enterprises, which is for profit. Well, so what is it going to be? I mean, obviously, they're supposed to pool the assets of, of, you know, if Liv comes on board, them and the DP World Tour. In theory, you know, the DP World Tour's cut of the Ryder Cup will go into that pot. Now, that's lucrative. Mm-hmm. But it certainly doesn't cover $3 billion. Um, you know, the tour has properties. You know, it, it has a management company that makes money. Uh, but but where is their return going to come from? And that's the big question. Everybody seems to think that they should be forming some sort of an alternative competitive product. Well, how do you do that 
and not hurt the PGA Tour? Um, and how do players qualify for it? I'm sure it would be, have to be big money. It would have to get a huge TV rights deal to get a return. Um, but, like, what are they going to do? Like, is it even going to be in place for next year with or without the PIF? You know, so it's um, there's all kinds of different theories on that. I mean, you know, if you're going to have some sort of a competitive vehicle, you need all the players in it. You can't have it and not have Brooks and Bryson and John Rahm. Right. So how are you going to do that? What are you going to do? Well, there has to be some compromise. I mean, do you, do you allow live into this thing? Do you ask them to cut back their number of events? Do you somehow incorporate team golf? Um, do you have free flow between all these tours? You know, I mean, nobody knows. I mean, it's a huge undertaking to figure this out. And, um, you know, that question gets asked and nobody has the answer. What, what, what's it gonna, what's it gonna mean? You know, what do we, what do you, what, 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 how does this help the fans? I was just going to say that, Bob, because, you know, the question becomes, do the fans just start to get so sort of uh, disenchanted with the whole um, mishigash, if you will, right? Are, do these players get a pathway back to the tour? And, and then you've got, you know, the PG Tour players, you know, a lot of them hedging what they're saying now. Rory, the, I wouldn't say that he's... Totally doing a 180, given, you know, he's been the front man for the PGA Tour for the last two years and took a lot of the Actually, heat. Actually, I think it's okay to say that. I think he, I, I think he has. I mean, he's, he's changed his tune a lot. And, and uh, um, you know, look, I, I don't know what the right answer is, but you can, you can see that there's a difference of opinion. Like Big he's time. Saying you, need to let the, you need to let these guys back. There's a bunch of players who are, who are saying no. And I just don't see how, if they come together, you can have a penalty. You know, look, these guys all have the opportunity to go. And, okay, so they stayed loyal. Well, the bottom line, though, is the tour decided to make a deal with them. You know? Right. And uh, uh, I think that that's, um, uh, you know, I mean, look, they, they, they cashed in. They were smart. Now, look, if you're going to bring them back, maybe they're not going to be eligible for the FedEx Cup. Maybe that's their penalty. Maybe they can only be eligible for whatever this new entity is and, and to play a handful of tour events to sponsor invites. But, I mean, like, don't you think a tournament would love to have Bryson or John Rahm, a, a regular PGA Tour event? I, I mean, forget what you think about this whole thing. I think golf fans are more interested in that. Absolutely. Bringing these guys together more often, you know. And, and then, look, if you want to discount or not like Liv, that's fine. You know, I mean, I think Liv is going to... You know, it's going to live or die on its own eventually. But, you know, it's my, my, my uh, sort of eyeball view of it after now into the third year is that it can't sustain itself the way it's going without the cooperation of the PGA Tour. You know, last week they were, you know, obviously the final round was, can was canceled on tour, but live and the tour are going up against each other in the same TV time slot. They're doing it again this week. It, it's just, it's it's dumb. I mean, Liv's going to have a hard time getting eyeballs when, you know, people like the Phoenix Open. People like Pebble Beach. It's not always about the players. And, yeah, okay, yeah, maybe some, there's some curiosity. People will switch over, but it's, not, it's just not going to be the same numbers. 
They they don't have the marketing ability to, to get people to it. They don't have enough they don't have enough traction. So their way forward is to have the PJ Tour support. And and if you have their support, well then a live event could run, let's say, in the window from noon to noon to five or eleven to four. Right. Spread it out. Three. Spread it out and for then, the hardcore fans. Right. And then the PJ Tour comes on next. And you're promoting each other. And also like Let's say a sponsor doesn't work for the tour. Maybe they steer them to live. You know, I mean, like, but none of that's going to happen now. There's too much of a stigma. People who go to the live side are afraid they can't ever get back with the tour. And and so, you know, it's a mess, you know. And and uh, that, that's why, like, whenever the the, uh, the live people get a little haughty, I, I remind them, hey, look, you know, look, you got John Rahm and you got a bunch of players. I mean, I, I'm interested in those guys who are big names. I like watching them. But, like, the whole thing itself is never going to get anywhere without acceptance in the, in the bigger golf world, you know. And, and that's sort of what the PIF wanted, I thought. They wanted acceptance in the golf world. They want to be able to maybe be a presenting sponsor at a major or, or you know, have a seat at the table with the bigger events. And it doesn't mean they'd take them over, but they'd be part of it. And, and I think that's what they want. And, and then... If you're part of the PJ Tour Enterprises and you need to make money, well, then it's in your best interest to help them succeed. You know, so we're, I don't know if, if we're anywhere close to that right now. I thought we were closer than we were. I, I was wrong. They're not, they're not acting like they're going away. I mean, they hired a COO in, in October. Um, they're expanding their office space in New York. They've got deals signed through 2026 with venues. Some player contracts are beyond next year. I mean, they are operating as if they're going to be around. And, you know, look, they've got the resources to do it if they want to. I just think there comes a point. Now, maybe it's not in two years. Maybe it's five or eight years down the road. that you know, they don't want to be throwing this kind of money. They're burning money every week. Big time. Think about it. Big time. $25 million purse, um, uh, a, a, you know, million or two million dollars in TV production that they pay for, whatever their infrastructure costs are to build out. Let's say those two things together are $5 million. You're, you're $30 million in every week and, and with with virtually no return, a pittance of a return. They're selling tickets and hospitality and merchandise, but it's not $30 yeah. million. Dollars. Yeah, it's you peanuts. Know, like, and as, I, as I point out all the time, the PJ Tour has all of that stuff covered before they tee it up. Title sponsor and the TV network deals cover their nut. And, you know, Liv has some revenue from the CW. It's a revenue sharing thing. I can't imagine that that is very lucrative. It doesn't, it doesn't pay for the broadcast, I'm sure. You know, so, like, they have a long way to go. And I realize their teams are starting to sell sponsorships, but a big source of their revenue is selling the teams, you know, to an Arthur Blank type person. Well, if you're not going to sell, you know, and, and if you're part of the PG Tour Enterprises, well, selling those teams then is money that goes in the coffers. That helps, you know. But but uh, but I don't see how anybody buys a team not knowing where this is going. Lots of rumors about Victor Hovland. Come on, Bob. Tell me this isn't true. Uh. Every indication I get is that it's not. Um, first of all, they, they don't have any room for him right now. 
you know, they'd have, and this is another problem with their tour, is that they, they have no access from week to week. They have 13 locked teams, and they have two individual spots, one of which we believe is locked, and then one that might rotate some. I mean, he's not going to play as an individual. He would play on a team, and there's no room. I mean, they'd have to, they'd have to move somebody out, which I think would be embarrassing for them and cause them more grief. I mean, and, and I, I think Victor's comments, I know guys have changed their mind, but his comments to me suggest he's not, he's not going to do it. So uh, I just think it was a one-off that he decided to withdraw this week. After watching, well, you know, after watching what we, John Rahm did, you know, it's hard to believe anybody. Exactly. Uh, you know, and, and uh, that's why there's, that's going to happen. But I just go back to, you know, they don't, they don't have an opening. You know, but now they can do whatever they want. They could pay somebody off to leave, I suppose. They could, they could, um, they could, you know, form a 14th team and try to bring in a couple more guys. I mean, they've got the flexibility to do stuff like that. But I, I, I at this point, I would be surprised. So, what is the current quote unquote framework agreement that they're working on? Explain to me. I don't know. I, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I think that it's, it's, um, I don't know that they're following it. You know, I mean, uh, Yasser's supposed to have a board seat. He's supposed to be the chairman of the board of the new company. So that ship looks like it might have sailed. I mean, are they going to have to be a minority investor? Um, you know, our government is going to look at it. Like, that's why I think the tour did this. They didn't want them to be the sole investor. And so they, they my guess is they would want to bring them in at less than $3 billion which I'm not sure the PIF likes that idea. They're used to having their way. And so it's um, that's why the, the idea of a deal right now is, is sort of up in the air. Like there's, there's all kinds of views on, oh, they don't need them, whatever. And I, you know, I, I'm of the opinion I think you need them because if you, don't get, if you don't bring them on board, you're going to be competing with them. And I was reading something the other day about the PIF. By, by late next year, the PIF, is expected to be valued at a trillion dollars. It's over seven hundred billion right now. Woo. So you know, <laughs> two billion, three billion on live. You know, they make plenty of money. They can afford it to to wreak havoc if that's what they want to do. And I, do you want to risk that, or do you want to bring some of that money in? You know, and um, you know that's the situation they found themselves they found themselves in because. Because I think, you know, five years ago, four years ago, that the threat was not taken seriously enough. Yeah, and here we are. So, present moment, golf, (laughs) waste management. One of the most popular events on the tour, Bob. And back to what you're saying about, you know, there's some events that it's about the event. There is nothing more fun than watching the 16th hole, the par three, with however many fans they pack in around that hole with the grandstands. It's just big time fun. It's different. It's its its own unique tournament. Weather has been just awful the last couple of days. Looks like probably going to be cold, but good for the rest of the week. 
Yeah, you know, this is one of the more popular events. Another reason why I think it's interesting that they've decided to play this week um, in this time of the Super Bowl also uh, yeah. in Las Vegas. Right. Um, and, look, you know, we're in a great stretch of events right now. Next week's uh, Riviera Genesis, another great tournament, great venue. And then we've got, uh, you know, a one-week reprieve before they come to Florida. They're going to the Mexico Open first. And then they come to Florida for four weeks. So, you know, it's it's kind of a, a, a big time of year in golf. And once we get past the Super Bowl, um, you know, like I, I think things start to focus in a little bit more on the golf because you don't have that big that big uh, albatross in the way. And, you know, and then all of a sudden you look up and you're, you're not that far away from the Masters. No, it's pretty, it's pretty exciting. Speaking of exciting, Tiger Woods announcing he will be playing – and hosting his event next week, as you mentioned, uh, at Riviera for the Genesis Invitational. What do you think? It's going to be interesting to see yeah, where I mean, Tiger's game is at. Uh, given his optimism at the Hero and at the PNC with the Sun, you know, I think it's going to be very interesting. Riviera has always been, always been tough on him. He's never won there. It's not a... It's not. It's just for whatever reason, the course has never really suited him that well. He's, um, Seems you know, odd, doesn't then, it, yeah. Bob? Since that's you know yeah. where he grew up. Right. I mean, you know, and also, you know, he's won big tournaments on Poana greens. You know, yes. but Poana has always flummoxed him there. You know, but obviously Torrey Pines has that, and so does right. Pebble. Right. So, it, but you know, for whatever reason, he's always struggled to putt there. It's just. You know, his instincts never allow him to do what he's supposed to do on the greens. And, of course, you know, there's, it's, I don't, it's not like a horrible walk, but it's not an easy walk. No. The last hole especially is uphill. There's a couple of hilly spots. The weather is not warm. You know, there is a reason Tiger skipped it for many years. You know, he just, he just didn't have success there. He didn't like putting on the greens. You know, there was a time, like around 2006, seven time frame, where he stopped playing it. And, you know, the only reason he's gone back is because his foundation is involved and he's the host of the tournament. Now, that's a great thing to have. I mean, it's an iconic venue, a great tournament. It's perfect. It's in L.A. It's right near, you know, Anaheim where his foundation is based. So that's all great. Uh, but just as a player, you know, it's, it's proven to be a challenge for him. And uh, so I think it's a good test. I mean, I think we're going to get an idea where he's at. Well, it's exciting. As you said, we'll get past the Super Bowl on Sunday. Won't be quite as thrilling for me as a Buffalo Bills fan or you as a Tampa Bay fan. But, hey, it's still the Super Bowl. And it's time to throw your dart. So waste management will finish up just before the Super Bowl. Who's going to be your pick? I am going with uh, with JT. Ooh. Uh, I think I think he's been playing nicely. He's you know this is the place he's contended before. Um, it's not as strong of a field. Not that he's worried about that, but you know not all the top guys are there, and uh, so I think it's a good time for him to break through and win win finally. It's been a while. All right. Well, that's. Uh... That's kind of how I'm feeling. I'm just getting back in the saddle and, you know, breaking into the season, Bob. And as always, we appreciate your time. Bob Herring, catch all of his great coverage at SI.com. Thanks so much, my friend, and 
Happy New Year. Here we roll. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> Bye-bye.